Mike Pence on the VP shortlist. Is the jockeying to replace him on the ballot for governor justified? John Gregg says the governor's actions are appalling. The union representing carrier workers picks sides in the race for governor. And a furor over the 4th of July float in Sheridan. That plus Joe Hogsett's bad week. Beach Grove says goodbye to Facebook and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending July 8, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Indiana Governor Mike Pence remains on the short list to be Donald Trump's running mate, and he says he's willing to do whatever it takes to help elect Trump. I think Mr. Trump is going to be in the state of Indiana next week, and we certainly look forward to being with him then, but uh, we don't have any other plans uh, to be with him on the campaign trail. Wherever he wants me to campaign with him in Indiana or anywhere else, uh, we're going to be willing to get out there and work our hearts out. Will Pence get the nod? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella. Ann Delaney, would Mike Pence help Trump win support from conservative Republicans? It's hard to see how. I mean, if you, you can kind of envision the Mike Pence brain trust discussing whether or not they'd want the nomination for vice president, and he says to them, what are my odds of re getting reelected governor? Less than 50-50. What are my odds of being elected vice president? Less than 50-50. So if I'm going to lose anyway, I might as well lose for the office I've always wanted as opposed to the one I've had to occupy for the last three and a half years. I don't know what Mike, I mean, I suppose That's the true. whole idea. I don't think that was the conversation that took place. But, but I do but believe. But you know that he would take it in a heartbeat. He's, that's, the that's what he that's wants. That's the clear indication here. Right. Is that he never wanted to be governor, so it makes perfect sense. But, but I don't know what he does to help. I don't know what he help, does to help Trump. I mean, Trump's problem with the evangelicals and with women and with other groups, I mean, he may help with evangelicals. He certainly isn't going to help with women or gays or immigrants or anything else. I think there's something to that. Uh, a week ago, Mike, you said it was hard to tell if this is real. By now, it's pretty clear it's real. Well, certainly he's on that, quote, short list. Uh, he was a week ago. He is now, and the list got shorter. So you got to like yeah, your Johnny odds. Ernst got out. Bob Corker got out. Ernst, Ernst one of them endorsed, endorsed Pence. Johnny yeah, Ernst. What's yeah. that worth? Well, I don't know. She she told him personally that she thought he was the best one for the job. Nobody knows who this is going to be except for Donald Trump. Clearly, but the list got considerably shorter unless he's got somebody he hadn't told anybody about, right. which is also possible. But Mike Pence would bring support from evangelical Christians. There's no question about that. I think he would bring some money to the campaign that Trump is not getting right now. Uh, he like from us, the Koch brothers. He's bringing a strong base to the Midwest where they're going to need some help with some states. 
uh, especially with uh, coal states and some other places. So he brings a lot to this uh, if he's selected. But it's a big if now, you know. And all that, the reporting from uh, national sources indicates that Newt Gingrich and Chris Christie are at the top of the list. Well, Newt Gingrich would be somebody that clearly knows their way around Washington, is former Speaker of the House, and Chris Christie also being a former federal prosecutor and governor. So there's, there's a lot to choose from there. But uh, Trump made it clear in their uh, joint appearance in Cincinnati that Newton Gingrich would be part of the government, whether or not he's a vice president or in some other position. I think that's probably true of Christie also. Right. So, you know, I, I think there's, a, there's a, a chance that this could happen. But clearly, I mean, this crazy year that we've been through yeah. so far, uh, this, this yeah. would not be completely well, out of the ordinary. Well, well, and what's most crazy at the moment, John, is, is that while this speculation goes on, there are already Indiana Republicans jockeying to, to replace Mike Pence on the ballot for governor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have people who are uh, a lot of phone calls talking about made. how they have either been called or are hoping they will be called and reacting in either case. Uh, sure, there are a lot of people. It's unlike anything we've seen, certainly. Um, and it's going to make for a very interesting week. And just to follow up on the question you asked about his appeal and his helping potentially Donald Trump with evangelicals, I think he'd probably help them more so than either Christie or Gingrich. And, if, and I don't just put, pick, pick that out of thin air. If you look at uh, somebody who at the old Nick Pack, the conservative yeah. political action committee, uh, straw polls that took place during his uh, uh, time in Congress, he was always one or two in sort of their dream uh, wish list, if you will, of, of uh, presidential candidates. He was the only one that addressed a big Tea Party rally. The only yeah, member so of Congress in okay. 2009. They, they like him, and he would help, I think, more than the others there. Okay, so in this atmosphere, where clearly he's all in, uh, and there are others already uh, looking to push him out of the way, if he doesn't get this, how much does this epi episode hurt his chances for re-election? Jim, I, I think it could really have an effect on the governor's chances because, you know, he's been so all in for running for another term as governor uh, that it really um, looks kind of like he's taken his eye off of that ball uh, as he goes forward. And, and you know, the vice, your presidential nominee calls you up and says, do you want to be vice president? You answer the call. But he's got to be very careful how he plays this because I think he gives the Democrats an in and a good in uh, for another hold on, on that uh, in the campaign going forward. Okay, so uh, among those who are looking at replacing him uh, on the ballot, you have uh, Eric Holcomb. Lieutenant Governor Holcomb, Speaker of the House Bosma. Uh, potentially I've heard Congresswoman Susan Brooks, although I've never heard her say that. There's speculation about Mayor Lloyd Winnicky of Evansville. That's a possibility, so... You forgot Todd Rakita. Yes. <laughs> Todd, Todd, sorry, I might, sorry, I did. Yeah, there's a poll out there, and I understand uh, it's the Rakita people who are, are who are polling on this already. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that part of it's silly. The state committee is going to decide it, and that's a universe of, what, 20 people? 18. 18 people. And polling and those numbers, which are name ID only, are really not going to have much of an impact. But I think John's right. I think this is going to hurt him because he's obviously got one foot out the door already, and he's going to do whatever he needs to do to elect Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump 
will say things that people will interpret as being racist and misogynist and anti-Semitic in, in, in kind and demagogic besides that. And Mike Pence is all in. That's just great. He's Democrat, tied to him now. Democrats think that's true. Republicans, on the other hand, think that, you know, if you're considered to be vice president, they're pretty proud of that fact. And I think a lot of independents feel the same way about somebody from their home state. So, you know, unless they're they, pluses and minuses. Unless they can make it. Right. An issue, which right. good right. luck trying to do that. It's not issue. a big deal. And no. you had two people take take themselves out, so you do turn down that conversation with the potential presidential candidate, or the potential the presidential now, candidate. By, if, if, if it is a deck chair on the Titanic, was up every time it was mentioned, every time you don't think he would have answered and said, "Yeah, I'll talk." Yeah, he, he said, wasn't he said governor he would. when John, that happened. And you asked, you asked whether he, was, he would help with evangelicals and yes. social conservatives. That's only part of the question. The other question is, what other groups does he help with? And in that, we can have a very short. discussion because I don't think there are any other large constituencies where he would, would so move numbers. So from Donald you don't Trump's think the point national view, gay movement would be yeah. really well, excited It might move it in that. a different direction. But from Donald Trump's perspective, it's all about what hole are you trying to fill. Time now for viewer experience? feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question... What's the best fit for Mike Pence? Your choices are A, vice president, B, governor, or C, neither. Last week's question, should Indiana be a leader in the effort to restrict abortions? 12% said yes, 88% said no. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. Democrat John Gregg could get a new opponent in the race for governor, as we said, but he's still concentrating on Mike Pence. He says Pence has always had national aspirations. I find it a little, uh, I find it more than a little appalling. I mean, he's telling everybody he wants to be governor. Now he's trying to bail out. Mike McDaniel, would John Gregg rather run against Mike Pence than another Republican? I'm sure it doesn't make any difference. He said. He's running behind right now, and, and we've got a strong enough bench of uh, the people I listed before uh, that uh, we can win this thing, even if Mike Pence is replaced on the ballot. But And the reason that there's so much interest in such a short period of time is because this has never happened, uh, I think, since, what, 1860, yeah. uh, that we've had a situation similar to this in Indiana. So anytime you can have a campaign where you only have to run to get the approval of half of 18 people or more, uh, you're going to jump at that chance rather than going out and spending bazillions of dollars to run for a primary. So that's why there's so much interest in this. But it would be difficult. I mean, clearly uh, you would leave 115 days or approximately that much yeah. uh, left in the campaign. It would be hard, but the kind of people that we mentioned could automatically put, put in that position and be credible immediately. But John Gregg's built a campaign here. That, that is all about opposing Mike Pence and yeah, the Mike Pence Yeah, but you'd still be opposing Mike Pence if it were, for example, Eric Holcomb, who's his hand-picked mouthpiece attack dog. And on the <laughs> Brian Bosma part of that, which is the other likely candidate to come out of this, I'd like to see how the, D, the RGA runs the attack ads they run against John Gregg when Brian Bosma, who joined with him in all that legislation, is the nominee. The other problem they have, besides the 115 days, is the fact of the money. If 
you're if you're Donald Trump, you're going to want that money to go to the RNC the, for the soft money the, Pence the money in the Pence campaign. campaign. And we know me. how unsuccessful Holcomb has been at raising money. So it's going to be an interesting because John Gregg's been very be successful. Yeah. Well, we'll see. No. Well, well, I tell you what, if you if you're a Republican donor, you're maybe not enjoying this. You know, I think that's an important point. Uh, the RGA has already spent a lot of money on this race to to back Mike Pence. And if Mike Pence is out, um, you know, they still want to win the seat. But they've built their whole campaign around right. Mike Pence, That's too. Right. And so I think that you can't discount the fact that there's some pressure from there for him to remain in the race because that's their horse. Did John Gregg's chances improve this week? I think in a net, uh, yes. And I would say because of what has been discussed here, and that is what John mentioned, that even if, in fact, now Mike Pence is not chosen uh, to be the running mate of Donald Trump, you still now have the notion uh, that's been introduced this week that you have a governor who was willing to leave us uh, if, if, if a better offer came. And that probably hurts him. But as far as the other, it cuts both ways. You know, whether you have, well, we, that's, we'll get to that discussion we got, next week if you we. Know what? Uh, this is full employment for us kids. Uh. John Gregg <laughs> launched a new campaign ad this week that blames Governor Pence for the lost jobs at the Carrier Corporation. The new ad also says that while Pence was in Congress, he voted for tax breaks for companies that move jobs overseas. Gregg joined with union leader Chuck Jones to criticize the governor's jobs record and his willingness to be a running mate for Donald Trump. John Ketzenberger, is that still a potent issue? Uh, I think it's a very potent issue, and I think part of the evidence for that is that when this came out, uh, the campaign was ready to go with the letter that um, uh, Mr. Schellinger sent to uh, Senator Donnelly after he criticized from the governor. The pen, that'd on, be from the Pence administration. Right, after he criticized him on, on uh, the inaction, uh, in his words, uh, regarding the carrier situation. So the campaign is very sensitive. The Pence campaign is very sensitive to this issue, uh, and they want to make sure that they can try to stay out in front of it, and you can't blame them. The Greg ad says Pence was asleep at the switch. Is that fair? Uh, there are a lot of factors beyond. I mean, Mike Pence probably could have been in a drug-induced coma for the past two years, and it might or might not have, it probably wouldn't have had any effect on what uh, Carrier's parent company decided to do. When you look at a publicly traded company with a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders in this climate, and you can look at what you can pay Mexican-based workers versus what you can pay Hoosier workers, I don't think Mike Pence. Um, now, stylistically, there might have been some things around the edges, and, and Union Leader Chuck Jones suggested that uh, he wishes there had been more outreach. The only time they had a, a chance at the union to communicate with the governor was when they met with, had that summit of sorts with, well, the, with the, carrier the, officials. Well, the governor invited carrier executives in. Employees showed up. He met with them at that point. The, Jones says he asked for a second meeting, couldn't get it. Um, hasn't heard back, he says. But we've seen presidential candidates try to play off car carrier now uh, in the governor race, does it decide a lot of votes? No, and, and it doesn't because I think people understand that, you know, government regulation was the reason the company gave for leaving the country. That's uh, the reason Mike Pence gave. It's also the reason the people in the company gave for leaving the country. And that's what they, one. yes, that's what they said in their news release. They didn't cite one regulation, yes, they did. Mike. No, they didn't. So, yes. Sorry. And they did. In general. They so, did. yes, they did. So, it's one of those situations where <laughs> 
you know, it's, it's, it's not going to make any difference in this particular situation. Nobody's surprised that the unions would endorse him on this. That's where most of John Gray's money comes from, about 60% of it. So there's no shock yeah, value there's there. There's nothing wrong with being a working there's person. There's no shock there. That's true. But that's where his money comes from. So it's no surprise that yeah. that's you where know, he got what, it. What's amazing about this is you have a governor that runs around the state taking credit for every job that came into the state, whether he had any hand on it or not. When a job leaves, it's not my fault, not my fault, not my fault. The fact it's of the matter is, it. between 2011 and 2012, four times as a congressman, Mike Pence voted to make it easier to export jobs from the, from, uh, the, the U.S. Four times. So, well, yes, he bears responsibility for this. You know, and then he didn't even have the decency to meet at length with the workers. He had time to fly out to play golf. Can you say with, free with trade Trump. agreement? Look, well, I don't think the carrier decision alone will turn an election. I do think it signifies a broader issue that could turn the election, and that's something we've talked about here in, in recent weeks, which is economic uncertainty or yeah, fiscal instability, which affects a lot of Hoosiers who say, I wonder if my job will be, I got it now, but will it be here in five years? Not only is the commercial wrong from top to bottom, but it's here, being it's, buried this week because all the publicity about the Trump It's situation. absolutely factually right. It is <laughs> not wrong. It's it is wrong factually from top right. to bottom. And we are now 38th yeah. in income of the states yeah, under your watch. You, moving you. on, moving on. A float that made its way through a Sheridan 4th of July parade attracted national attention this week. The float featured President Obama with the words Lying African underneath. Donald Christie is the float's creator. Christie is no stranger to controversial floats in the past. He says he created a float that featured the Confederate flag in one year he dressed in drag. I, I believe in live and let live. I guess my intent was to satisfy myself, see laughs over here, see people frowning over here, see people cheering over here. It's a diverse country. John Schwannis, the town council president called that float racist after the fact. Where was he before that? Well, you know, this was organized by a, a civic group. and they, The Lions Club. Right, and apparently he showed up uh, in line without detailing in any registration and any fashion what it Which was going to be. Which apparently he does every year. I think it's, it's, people are right to say this, this is problematic in terms of the message it, it's sending, but... And this is important. It's a, it is a great testament to what we're celebrating on the 4th of July every year, that, that we can do that with our elected leadership, even, even if it's, it's not... Disgusting. Even if it's disgusting. But disgusting speech is That's protected right. speech and, as and well. People, it's, yeah. Of course it's protected speech, but it's also disgusting, demeaning, and wrong. I agree with you. And nobody calling him out is also disgusting. Right. That's the thing. The fact that this exists, has, they have every right to do that, but everybody else has a responsibility and a right to say I agree. it's it, ridiculous it, it, and disgusting. They can be as vocal as he is, but the point I'm making is, thank goodness he's not banned uh, You know, from, the interesting thing that. who deserves, deserves blame for this, too, is Trump. Who was the biggest uh, advocate of the birther movement? Who was the one who kept saying he had private investigators under, you know, under uncovering all kinds of secret information and that a, a Barack Obama wasn't born in the U.S.? Uh, He's the one, and it's the same racist, misogynist, and anti-Semitic rhetoric that you see playing around the edges of the entire Trump campaign. It's Donald, not surprising. Donald Christie is a Trump supporter, for what it's What worth. a surprise. Uh, there are folks in Sheridan who are worried about the reputation of their community. Should Look, they be worried? This is absolutely wrong. This will be old news in, in a week. I feel bad for the people of Sheridan because it is a wonderful little community. And, uh, you know, just because you get some guy who's star for attention, who does something outrageous every year, 
and he's crossed the line before, and he way over went way over that line this time. And he should be rebuked. They should not allow him in this parade ever again, uh, even if he has the right to say what he wants to say, because that just crossed the line. It's just wrong. Well, and what's particularly tragic is, again, it's a repugnant message, but especially in the wake of the tragedies we've seen that appear to be race-related uh, in other portions yeah. of the country this week in the aftermath, unrelated, of course, but it... Timing you stir up those kinds of feelings, you reap the harvest. And they have made a campaign of stirring it up. All I'm saying is that it's even ugly speech is, it needs to be protected. Well, I'm speech. not saying you arrest the guy, <laughs> right. but you don't put him in the parade. Well, they have changed the rules, apparently. They're, next year, there's going to be some scrutiny applied. But, Thank uh, heaven. Um, do we dwell on these sorts of things too much? You do. <laughs> I mean, it's not just me. Oh, I, I, this, I thought I'm it was just, always this was, the media's fault. Well, Isn't that what Trump says? You know, the, we're, we're a convenient you know, whipping boy. You know, we dwell on them too much in the sense that we don't really get beneath the surface of it. Because, as John said, this is a very difficult problem. And so you have a guy who shows up with a clearly racist float, and it goes out there, and we're all disgusted. And you have that conversation, but as Mike says, it's over in a week. Well, we ought to be talking very seriously about the problems, the motivations, and the reasons behind these kinds of things so that people like that who have a right to say what they say don't feel compelled to say it. If we give this guy more than this 15 minutes, we're doing a disservice. We're done. We're done. Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogshead had a bad week this week. His son was arrested, and then his press secretary was placed on administrative leave following accusations that he kicked a woman's car near the city county building. Siobhan Wilson says Dan Goldblatt crossed in front of her when the traffic light was yellow. She says he then kicked her car and walked off. She took pictures of the damage and even ran after Goldblatt, who was walking into the city county building. She says she has no idea why he did it. Mike McDaniel, do those events reflect on the mayor? Look, you know, first of all, the job of press secretary, I thought, was supposed to try to put your boss in the best possible light. Maybe, maybe damage control, and, and he, not damage he, creation. He failed so miserably by doing this stupid act that he should be fired, okay? And then the second part of this about his son, that's a personal family matter, and that's none of our business. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, this guy's on administrative leave. Will he, will he last? I don't think he should last. Um, I don't think it reflects on the mayor, but you have to ask yourself what kind of people, uh, you know, you, you want in your administration and what kind of image you want to project. And, you know, as for the son, I think Mike's right about that. It's every parent's nightmare, you know, and that's why we have a different different way of looking at juvenile offenses as opposed to adult offenses, and I hope he's learned a lesson. And as far as the staff member, I mean, it's tough for anybody in the administration to over to bounce back like from something like that, the controversy. But when you are the, the person who is the, the face in many ways and the he's voice... He's not the communications director. He's the press secretary, well, which is... All right. But still, if you're the face and the voice in the press of the administration not, where not, you're going to show up from time to time and speak for the mayor, then it becomes even more problematic. I think uh, it was a bad day for Mayor Hogsett. I don't think it ultimately reflects poorly on him. Uh, but he's going to have to make some difficult uh, decisions regarding his staff member, and, and he's obviously got some other things to deal with. So good, for him, or good luck to him. Yeah. 
the city of Beach Grove, and the Beach Grove Police Department shut down their Facebook pages this week. The city says the move is based on advice from attorneys. The ACLU filed a lawsuit against the city on behalf of two women who claimed their First Amendment rights were violated. The women reportedly posted comments on the police department's Facebook page, and the city removed their comments with no explanation. Court documents show the two women were then blocked from posting on the city's pages going forward. And Delaney, do government entities need Facebook? Well, as I understand that this Facebook page was helping the police department with tips for crime solving. I so, I mean, if it, that can happen, that's a good thing. I mean, I think this whole thing is unfortunate. I, I would have rather have seen the ACLU send a letter saying, how, how do we work this out? Because they put themselves in the middle of a political catfight. One of those two women is the girlfriend of the person who lost for mayor in the last election. <laughs> Not that politics have anything to do with this, you understand. <laughs> well, and and I'm, I think that the, uh, whoever filed it on behalf of the ACLU probably should have known all of that before they filed it. But this is the exact problem that the governor ran into when he first took office, right? He, he, he took some positions right. that were unpopular, and people took uh, positions in opposition on his Facebook page, posting, and, he, and he was deleting them. So, I mean, if you're going to have a Facebook page, and it's government-owned, it's taxpayer-funded, you got to know how to operate it. Just like we said at the time, this is another example of all of us learning how you deal with this as society as learns to deal advances. with social media. Yeah. And this is another example. You can't have an open forum some of the time. Yeah. yeah. And social media is a fact of life. Oh, yeah. And this is something that media organizations have struggled with. Uh, every time you open up, you post a story and it, you open it up to commenting, people are, are uh, it doesn't even matter really what the topic is. They'll use that as a springboard to any number of, of off-base and inappropriate and hateful types of speech. You'll even see it with obituaries and, and wedding announcements. People will put all sorts yeah. of things up there. And I don't claim to know the answer. I mean, these are private entities that, uh, in the case of the media outlets, that... Uh, uh, have I presumably a right to take them down? But when you get into a, a not city on free speech and uh, media uh, outlets, I say <laughs> shocking. Hey, it's tougher. I didn't say it's a good decision, but I don't you know think, what the good decision is. You think Beach Grove will have a Facebook page again someday? Um, maybe someday, but not for the near future. Or that's maybe for sure. a, maybe a Facebook page without comments. The one good comment I saw was in the Indianapolis Star when they said that if Trump picked Pence, it would make Indiana great again. How about that Did one? They, they posted you? That, that was, was a good I thought, post. I thought you it wasn't mine. Yeah, well, <laughs> I thought you were blocking it. Oh, it. I wish I'd thought of it. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.